You're listening to the Asian MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything going on in the world of Asian MMA. This episode is brought to you by that false sense of security that a cup gives you. I'm Dana Bluen, and this episode is your Asian MMA Weekend Recap. There was so much fight action in Southeast Asia over the weekend and some crazy three-on-three action to talk about. I mean, insane. Whenever you get more than two fighters in a cage at one time for one fight and they can team up on each other and it's insane, we're going to get into it later in the episode. Before I get started, though, if I don't cover your event but you had one this past weekend or you're going to have one sometime soon, reach out and let us know. I want to know that you're putting a show on, that you're doing events, and I want to cover them. I want to bring eyes to your event and the fighters putting it all on the line. So hit me up at AsianMMAPodcast at gmail.com so I know what's going on and I can maybe bring a little bit more exposure to your event, to the fighters, And, you know, just give them a bigger stage. Also, there won't be a video version of the podcast this week because I'm traveling, but that should be back next week. Hopefully, all my travels will be done. We'll see. It's been a crazy, crazy uh, week for me. So let's get it started. Let's just get into it because a lot to talk about today. The first one wasn't really on the weekend, but just before, and so that makes it count in my book. And that was one Warriors series in Singapore on Thursday the 25th. I've said before that I'm a huge fan of OWS. I think what they're doing, you know, it's great. They're doing a lot of really good things, and they're doing good things for fighters because they're giving them a platform to develop you know, to bring them, you know, to a larger stage and get onto a one championship. Or maybe they don't go to one championship and they go to the UFC or they go to Road or they go to Risen. But one is there to really give them that platform. You know, the same thing they're doing with the Hero Series in China I talked about last week. You know, really, you know, fantastic stuff. Now, in the main event, we had uh, Phuket, Thailand-based Brazilian Carlos Pratas stop uh, previously unbeaten EFC welterweight champ uh, Gunther Kaluda in the second round with a body shot, of all things, a body shot. Now, it was, it was a wild two rounds, you know, leading up to the stoppage, but when it came down to it, Pradas was just too much for Kaluda. He just overwhelmed him. You know, Thailand trained, you know, just brought it. You know he's going to have that Muay Thai skill. He's no, You know he's going to punish the body, and that's what we saw, so... Given Kaluta's first uh, blemish on his record. Now, the whole card was stacked with great fighters, you know, from the regional scene and great fights. You know, I know it's a development league for one championship, but damn, man, they're putting on good cards. I'll have the link in the show notes. I'll also put um, all the results. This is the only one I have all the results for. I'll put that in the show notes as well so you can see that. Fan fantastic card if you guys aren't watching these on the the one app or find it somewhere else you you really are missing out because you know this is a, a lot like that uh dana white looking for a fight or what the ultimate fighter was except it's just really good fights with guys who are hungry you know and th- that's one of the things you see here in asian mma is that guys are hungry at this local level you know of course i mean anyone coming up in the ranks is hungry but i mean it's what what you see is is good stuff. Now, with that, with you know, 
OWS out of the way. I want to jump to Saturday, April 27th. There was a lot going on around Asia on the 27th, you know, which is a great problem to have. I didn't get to watch all the cards. I've watched some of the highlights, but it's a great problem to have when there's too much MMA going on and too much MMA that you can watch. One of the things I love about the local scene, and you know, we see this everywhere, they're finding ways to get exposure, and it's becoming the norm to put up live streams. So no matter where you are in the world, you can tune into the fight live or you can catch the videos on YouTube or Facebook afterwards. I, I love this. I wish we had this back in the 2000s. You could have watched like regional stuff from you know the New England area or the Midwest or the West Coast coming through on Facebook. It didn't exist then. We have it now. So take advantage. Asia, Southeast Asia specifically, is a hotbed for undiscovered, up-and-coming talent. And you can see them coming up on their these fights on Facebook or on YouTube, on the live streams. So take advantage. I'm going to link all of these in the show notes, like I said, so you'll be able to find the Facebook pages for the promotions. You'll see the streams. You can follow these if you want. You can catch these streams in the future. I highly recommend it. You know, with that being said, you know, I'll, of course, I'll put all the episodes. I'm still working to update AsianMMAPodcast.com, but it, it will get there. You'll be able to find results and listings there. Maybe I'll start like a uh, registry so people can actually go and find, you know, upcoming events as well on there. That might be a good idea. Moving on. One of the countries where we've seen a lot of MMA talent kind of percolate to the top over the past few years is Malaysia. And, and really, that's no surprise considering the depth of their amateur scene. Like the, their ministry of sport and a lot of players like uh, Rashid Salayah, Brent Yap have really put effort into developing the MMA scene. And um, Jason Lowe, when he was CEO of uh, Toon Talk, they funded uh, MIMA, which was this fantastic nationwide MMA amateur tournament. They've had opportunities there that other countries haven't really been able to develop. And so we've seen a lot of fantastic fighters come out of there. So no, no surprise that they had at least three events this past Saturday, as well as I saw some people posting about BJJ tournaments in Malaysia. You know, a lot going on in the scene, and so I'm really excited to talk about a few of them. And I want to start things off with my home away from home, Kuala Lumpur. I'll actually be flying there as soon as I finish recording this, and I'll probably post this episode from KL. Great city with great food and amazing fights. So, of course, first on the docket, I have MFC, or Malaysian Fighting Championship, from KL, Massive event, 24 matches, consisting of amateur boxing, Muay Thai, and MMA. Then their last three fights were all pro MMA. I didn't get to watch this whole card, but I've watched MFC in the past. They always deliver great action. I've got a link to the full stream in the show notes so you can watch it. Highly recommend it. MFC does great content. Next up, I've got to jump over to Joho Baru. Malaysia, where they also put on an absolutely insane card with 37 fights, all amateur. That's ultimate beatdown. I love the vibe of UB fight cards. They keep their cage on the roof of a shopping mall in Johor Bahru. 
Now, it's covered, but they just basically leave the cage there all the time. And this is where the events are. You've got to, like, go through the top floor of the mall, come out through the parking garage, onto the roof. And you actually, the cage is right there. And that's where the fights go down. Amazing, very gritty kind of feel to the event. And it's very Johor Baru appropriate. Now, UB is, is very much a proving ground for a lot of great, not just Malaysian fighters, but fighters from Singapore, from all over, for years. I want to say they're probably the longest-running MMA organization in Malaysia. You know, they've had a lot of MEMA champions and top contenders come through UB and, like, cut their teeth there. And these are people who have gone on to you know, fight in much larger organizations, win championships, and just be overall successful. It's a fantastic organization. Again, I'll have a link to their stream. It's actually on their YouTube channel. Check out UB, support UB. They're doing great things for the grassroots organization of Asian MMA. Great organization. And you're going to get to see future champions fighting in that organization, which is one of the main reasons you should be watching it and following it. Next up, I'm going to jump over to the island of Borneo, my favorite vacation spot in all of Asia, Kota Kinabalu. It also happens to be home of uh, Asian MMA legend AJ Pyro, who if you don't know who AJ is, because you know, his career is you know, in the twilight these days, but he's still fighting. He still runs a gym, a Borneo tribal squad that puts out a lot of top fighters in Asia. So you got to check him out, look up his background. And check out uh, Borneo Tribal Squad. Great gym. A lot of cool fighters coming out of there. KK in general has got a great fight culture. But, you know, it's really like this kind of small, sleepy beach town of Kota Kinabalu. And, but they had an event that took place there over the weekend called Rampage FC, which was really, it was just eight amateur MMA fights. And I say just eight because the previous two cards had, like, what, 24 and 37 but you got to keep in mind how small KK is compared to both Johor Baru and KL. Now, they also had a juniors category, which I find really interesting. They had modified rules for safety reasons. So with the juniors, I think that there was no ground and pound. I don't know if they did head strikes or not, but I, I saw on their uh, Facebook page that there was no ground and pound. Now, one of the things I love about this is because when you're talking about a place like, like Borneo, it's East Malaysia, so it is part of Malaysia, but it's completely separate from the peninsula. It's like a three-hour flight from the mainland just to get to Borneo. They need smaller events like this to be held in gyms, just like this one was, to, for the fighters to be able to get experience. So that way when they go to a bigger organization or they go to fight somewhere else, they've actually got the experience under their belt. They're not going into a big organization for their first fight. And that's what I love about this. KK, as a city, has a fantastic culture around, you know, MMA and fighters coming up out of there. You know, like I said, AJ Pyro came out of KK. That's where he runs his gym. Also, one of the baddest men in Asia, Darren Lowe, former undefeated MEMA heavyweight champion, I think for three or four seasons. You know, these are people who are coming out of KK who are just fantastic fighters, and it's got that kind of culture, sort of like how Westerners would think of Hawaii in the way that, you know, Hawaiian fighters have a certain grit to them, and the scene there is very unique. KK relates to that very well. So if you're a fan of 
you know, Western MMA of the UFC. Think of all these Hawaiian fighters, guys like BJ Penn or Cabbage, Travis Brown, who came out of Hawaii. And, you know, that's the type of fight culture. That's the type of mentality that those guys have. It's that island life. Again, I've got a link to their video page in the show notes. I think they posted every fight as an individual fight after the fact, after the stream. They didn't post the whole stream, so you can check that out there. Now, in final fight review news, we've got to jump over to Manila in the Philippines for URCC. This event was crazy, and what I really love is that URCC had a fantastic stream set up with Sports 5, which is an ESPN affiliate in the Philippines. So it was really a high-quality stream, really like watching a pay-per-view, you know, but it was a free Facebook stream. You can't go wrong with that. Now, I think everyone who knows the Philippines, excuse me, knows that Philippines is known for great fighters, great stand-up fighters. But also, you know, a lot of really good Asian MMA fighters come out of there. Team Lakai comes to mind, who's just got, you know, a who's who of champions and fighters in the scene out of that gym. So no slouches coming out of the Philippines. Whenever you know that there's a Filipino card coming up, you expect good fights. And, I mean, they really delivered. There was a lot of good action and some, some interesting things going on in that card and before i get to that absolutely insane three versus three mma fight i, I want to talk about the main event because i had high hopes for this fight and unfortunately it kind of ended in a schmooze now the main event was their 145 pound strap was on the line their champ mark striegel versus ufc pancreas and rings vet sunishi shimizu um i have a hard time with some of these japanese names man now, the, the, now, I got to say, I was excited for this fight. I mean, Mark's got a really good record, a strong record. You know, and he, he's been a, a really good champ with, with uh, them. But at the same time, when you look at uh, Shimizu's record, it's not fantastic. He's got a lot of losses. You know, he's still got a positive record. I, I want to say he's 31 and 21. But, you know, he's fought you know, tough guys, and he's fought in, like, great organizations. Like I said, he's UFC vet, Pancras vet, Rings vet. So I just, I had an expectation for this fight going into it that it was just going to be tough. Now, I picked Mark for this fight, but I really thought it was going to be a, a test for him. Now, and the fight got off to a great start. Fast-paced exchanges. You know, Mark was, you know, pushing the pace, and he was really punishing the legs of uh, Shimizu in that first round. I mean... You could kind of see his game plan was to try to punish the legs, slow him down, wear him out, grind him down, and maybe work for a finish in the third or fourth. Unfortunately, we didn't get there. In the second, Mark lands what is an absolutely brutal cup shot on Shimizu. You know, and he's he just goes down. He he's not getting up. You know, they give him the five minutes recovery time, but he can't get back up. You know, he, he's done. And you, you can see it on his face. I mean, he's just, it, it, it kind of likens back to me to the time when uh, Vandalay Silva versus uh, Gilbert Ivel in Pride. And, you know, Vandy came out and just landed that shin right to the cup. And uh, Ivel was on the ground, not getting up. You know, very much like that, except this was not intentional. This was very clearly an accident. You no, know, it, it looked like uh, Shimizu really just kind of stepped in 
when he shouldn't have. And, you know, because of positioning, and there was a kick kind of like midway, it landed, and it landed hard. There, there was no pulling back on it. So we end up with a main event that's a no contest. Mark retains the belt. But, I mean, I was excited for this fight, and the first round was delivering. So I hope they let these guys run it back. I'm hopeful. Let, let's see what happens. That being said, though, the only other fight I've really got to talk about on this card is this absolutely insane, this wild three-man versus three-man MMA fight. And it was billed as Team Philippines versus Team China. Uh, before I get into this fight, one odd thing I, I want to mention, and this just stuck out to me when I, when I was watching this, was that um, one championship judge and referee, uh, Joey Lepiton, uh, ref this event. He ref this fight, this three-man versus three-man fight, as well as uh, a number of other fights on the card. You know, and, and he did a great job. No real questionable stoppages or anything that I saw. I thought, I thought Joey did a good job. I think he does a good job in one as well. I only bring this up because I've been told by a number of other one championship officials that their contract requires them to work exclusively with one. Now, maybe that's not Joey's case. I mean, I haven't heard this from every single person at one. And it's not something I went out there asking. This is just something people were sharing with me. So I don't know what the percentages are or if there's certain circumstances that require some of the officials to work exclusively with one. I don't know. That's probably, that's clearly not Joey's case because he worked this event that was very televised. It was live streamed on an ESPN affiliate. So we know people saw it. A lot of people saw it. Entirely possible. But another reason that I thought this was interesting is because there, there's been a lot of rumors that URCC and one don't have the best of relationships. Now, I don't know how deep that goes or, or where that comes from. You know, it's just really something that was told to me by, by a few people, actually, in not just the, the one organization, but in the local scene in the Philippines. So I'm not sure where that relationship stands. I'm going to assume all things are better since we saw Joey work that card. And like I said, he did a great job, so my hat's off to Joey. But, you know, this whole three versus three man thing, you know, let's get into this because, one, I don't know how a ref deals with it, and two, it's really a crazy situation. The first thing I noticed, like right off the bat, Team Philippines look considerably larger than Team China. Like maybe some of them might have been like two or three weight classes bigger than the smallest Chinese fighter. Crazy just to look at from a visual perspective. Again, link is in the, the show notes. So I recommend you watch that fight because it's it's something wild. You know, the fight starts and uh, they just kind of like all run across the cage and smash into each other like this big unorganized game of Red Rover. And before you know it, like I want to say like a minute in, one of the officials is calling a stop to the action. They never really make clear why. It sort of sounds like there was like an illegal blow or something happened. And then I, I don't know why it ended, but all of a sudden Team Philippines is the winner. And there was really no explanation. It, it was really strange. The crowd seemed to love it. But personally, I, I think these multiple people versus multiple people is Team MMA it's really just a gimmick. And honestly, they're extremely dangerous because 
it's going to be difficult to control that situation. And plus you end up where with situations where it's like two on one, or it can even be three on one. It's so dangerous. And, and not just for the fighters. I mean, it hurts the promoters because it really takes legitimacy away from the sport and it hurts the sport in general. If we, if these promotions start to do this, it hurts the sport. And to me as, as a fan of MMA, it's not something that appeals to me. And, you know, I, I hope it doesn't appeal to you guys, but maybe I'm wrong. Am I old-fashioned? Is this is this the way the sport's going? Is this what you guys want to see? I, I don't know. That's not – I don't want to sound like an old guy, but that's not the MMA that, that I love. I love the, the aspect of man versus man, one person versus one person to see who the best is, not three-on-one at the end of a three-versus-three fight. I could see that in a street fight if I wanted to, and that, that's not what I want to watch. Anyway, enough of my my ranting. Let me know what you guys think on that. Now, that's all I have for the fight recaps, but looking forward to next weekend, we've got one championship in Jakarta, and the main event is their flyweight Muay Thai championship with uh, Sam A versus Jonathan Haggerty. Should be a good fight. I got to say, some of the the one championship uh, super series, like the... uh, the um the K1 style kickboxing, their Muay Thai events, always fantastic fights. I mean, so some great fighters in those divisions. So I I'm excited just to see that. And the other thing of note here is uh, making his one debut. We've got Yushin Akami versus uh Kiyomarin Abasov. Now I, I I only mention this fight. It's only really interesting to me because it's Yushin Okami's debut in one championship. And, you know, two months ago, I would have said, of course, Yushin's going to come in and smash whoever he fights. It doesn't matter. And then we had Timothy Nastyukin absolutely destroy Eddie Alvarez. And we had uh, Yuya give Demetrius Johnson a hard time in his fight. So that's not so clear anymore. It's not so clear. We don't know that, you know, UFC vets are going to come over and smash people. You know, it, it's not as clear-cut as I thought it was before before their Japan event, before a new era. Now, I'm not saying I don't think that, you know, one has the best in the world like they claim. I, I still firmly believe that the UFC has the best fighters in the world on their roster for the most part, for the most part. But, you know, after you saw what happened to uh, Eddie and the hard time that Demetrius had, I'm thinking that the scales are a lot closer than I assumed they were. So it'll be interesting to see Yushin come into one, and especially when you look at his his recent history as a fighter with his UFC pass. I mean, not the most stellar record. So we'll see where he's at. I mean, it could, could go any way. But, of course, as a fan, I'm just happy to see Yushin back in action, and, and I hope he does well. In other news... And this is interesting because it impacts the the one Grand Prix, the lightweight Grand Prix. We found out that Ariel Sexton has had to pull out of the one Grand Prix against Doggy due to a broken arm. Why this becomes interesting is Amer Khan is going to take his place. Now, Ariel eliminated Amer in the previous round, so he's getting another shot, which I I, I think is the way to do it. I, I think bring back the guy who lost, let him come in and... If he's healthy, let him have a run at it. They didn't have an alternate set up, so I think this is the way to go. It makes things interesting, because what happens if a mayor wins? 
he already lost to Sexton. You've kind of got the storyline now for Ariel to come in and have another fight with Amir if Amir goes all the way through and wins this thing. You know, or even if, if Amir beats uh, Doggy, then Ariel's still got this great storyline to be injected anywhere, even if Amir goes on to lose after that fight. You know, it, it, they're kind of making the best case with this story-wise. It, it could go anywhere, and, and I like that about it. And, you know, I, I think Amir can be an interesting fighter to watch. So this, this shakes up the uh, Grand Prix a bit, makes it a li- little bit more interesting. Now, one other bit of news that dropped that ah, I, I wrestle with if I should even talk about, but it, it's definitely legitimate to the world of Asian MMA and that is one has announced that they've launched their own movie studio. They're going to be essentially making movies that are vehicles for their fighters, you know, to have a chance to star in, in a movie and make some extra money, you know, to also promote the one brand and, you know, their values, their core values, whatever those happen to be at the moment. Now, there hasn't really been a ton of news outside of that press release. We don't know the extent of the... We don't know the extent of the scope of the movies they're making, how many they're going to do, who they're working with, what their partners are going to be. They did say they're looking at online digital distribution. So, you know, think Netflix, think YouTube, think, you know, um, iFlix, which is sort of the Asian version of Netflix. You know, this could go anywhere. You know, who knows, but... It's definitely an interesting development. It's one branching off into another vertical. We saw them do esports. You know, now they're they're going into movies. I'll be honest though, a lot of it feels a bit WWES to me. My my one hope is that none of these guys act as poorly as John Cena. I don't expect too many of them to be at the level of The Rock, but I, I think you know, getting above John Cena is not a very high bar. So. Acting-wise, Hollywood acting-wise, getting above that John Cena level. If anyone saw The Marine, you know what I'm talking about. So, (laughs) you don't have too far to go. But that being said, it it could be exciting. It gives fighters potential revenue opportunities they maybe wouldn't otherwise have had. However, with one championship sort of controlling the entire pipeline now... And we'll talk more about this uh, in the future because there's been some other news that broke recently that that impacts this. That you know now with this whole this whole kind of pipeline that they control of where and when fighters can make money. I don't know what kind of flexibility fighters have. One could kind of drive the prices down, and maybe it's not as good of a deal for these fighters. We're gonna have to wait and see. We're gonna have to wait and see. That's all I have for you guys today. To stay up to date with all things Asian MMA, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Facebook. All the links in the show notes. If you want the podcast somewhere else, let me know where you want the podcast. AsianMMAPodcast at gmail.com. Send me a message. I'll submit the RSS link and I'll get the podcast posted there. I want you guys to have an easy time to find it, so let me know where you want to see it. Until next time. Check it out.